The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, joining you from the lands of the Lekwungen speaking peoples. Those are the Songhees and the Esquimalt First Nations, colonially known as Victoria, BC, Canada. This is part four of my seven episode mini series on planetary magic and propitiation. We began on a Sunday with Eliza Robertson talking about the sun. On Monday, we heard from Bronwyn Simons about moon magic. On Tuesday, I shared about my personal astromagical practice and how I relate with the planet Mars. And today, Wednesday, I'm speaking with Thea Anderson about Wednesday's ruling planet, our old pal, Mercury. Thea is a writer and astrologer and is the production manager of, well, the director of production, I should say, of the Chani app. She works very closely with our previous guest, Eliza, to make sure that all of the content for the app gets out on time and at the right time. So it's a very mercurial type of job. And I I just want you to know right out of the gate, if you're listening to this episode and you're asking yourself, I wonder if she does readings for people. Yes, yes, she does. Her books are open, my friends. So now you can just relax and listen as Thea connects us with the potent, exciting energy of Mercury. Thea, it's so exciting for me to have you on the show today. I'm super jazzed about you, specifically you, talking about Mercury. So let's begin with you sharing with us what identities do you lead with? Sure. First of all, it's great to meet you and to talk to you today. I'm also equally jazzed. My name is Thea Anderson. And as far as identities, I identify as a Black woman. Um, And I am a mom. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a partner. I'm an astrologer and a writer. And I think if I were to bridge astrology and writer together, it would be sort of interpreter or decoder. Someone who is taking some source material from the universe and using tools to translate it to other folks. And yeah, those are my identities. Decoder is such a perfect (laughs) and alluring, like this is great for today for Mercury. So Mm -hmm. you're going to help us decode Mercury. And for all those listeners who are, you know, like me, you're an armchair astrology enthusiast. You probably have heard of Mercury retrograde. It probably strikes some fear in your heart, but there are, there's just so much more to Mercury than that. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just wanting to let people know, yes, we're going to get to that. But first and foremost, how about you tell us what Mercury represents in astrology and what Mercury, Mercury rules or is related to? Okay. So Mercury represents, I'll say Mercury is, Mercury's got a lot. So this is why I'm entering through the, the allotness because it's the, it's the messenger of the gods in, in mythology, in Greco-Roman mythology. And in astrology, it is 
the planet that we look to for communication, um, translation, getting from point A to point B, so like journeys. And then if you think about like what other kind of journeys we take that are not physical, it would be like divination or omen watching, right? Taking something and translating it. So it can be translate translation. Um, it's arts and letters, it's grammar, it's merchants, it's thieves, it's banking, it's commerce, it's all of, it's learning. So students, siblings, um, and so Mercury signifies, I think that's what I was, I was like, represents, signifies, I like signifies because it kind of, it's got an active component to it, kind of shoots it out at you. All of those things I just said, um, but also like so much more. And I think as soon as I try to talk about any of the planets, I'd be like, I have no words, which I think is a really good place to start. Like I have no words. I just have a feeling and then like enter through that and be like, yes, these are all the, the, the written down significations. Um, and you hinted at Mercury retrograde, you know, Mercury has this as a planet that is neither malefic nor benefic. So it's really impacted by its phase, its cycle, whether it's retrograde, direct, stationed, um, whether it's combust the sun, whether it's aspecting a malefic and sort of, you know, got some tricks up its sleeves or aspecting a benefic and wants to give you like, hey, you got into your dream school, like those mm -hmm. kinds of things. Like that's Mercury. Mercury is going to take something and bring it to you. It's like the new station desk of the cosmos. <laughs> and it's, it's chatty. It wants to talk. It wants to figure out what you think. It may ask more questions than it wants to answer, right? Because it's got that, it's, it's, it is curiosity for curious sake. Um, it's speech, it spells, it's spell casting, it's magical operations, right? This idea of needing to order your environment, Mercury will take, you know, the sort of physical materia and try to get a divine message from it or communicate back upwards. Um, so I think those are a good places to start. Yeah, I mean, Mer makes Mercury sound kind of like, if not like everything, it makes it sound like at least Mercury has its fingers in everything or yes. it's like, you know, it's like kind of like has this, maybe not social, but like this butterfly quality or this mm -hmm. like bee, a bee that's going and pollinating things and like might sting you, but also generally <laughs> it's just like making stuff happen, you know? Yeah. So you know, there's an, okay. So you talked about how it's neither malefic nor benefic and very often Mercury is connected with, um, with that kind of shapeshiftery, mm -hmm. sometimes trickstery kind of, um, gender fluid E kind of mm -hmm. quality, non-binary kind of qualities. So can you talk a little bit more about Mercury and that, non-duality yeah so I'm trying to think of the place to enter through this so yeah so to start it's if we have if we think about our planets the the seven traditional in the in the cosmos and of those once we remove the sun and the moon we have five planets and so you could say that of those Mars and Saturn are the malefics right they 
they give their results through things that um, can be felt depending on their nature and the aspects and what they're doing in the sky as difficult or as a challenge. But like also who doesn't love a challenge, you know? So <laughs> it's not malefic bad, but it's malefic and that's its orientation. And then you've got the benefic planets as uh, Venus and Jupiter wanting to give, you know, bounty, abundance and pleasure. And so like as humans, like we love that, like give me more of that. But also maybe sometimes you can overfill on all that stuff. So not good, but benefit. And then Mercury is in this place where as the fastest moving planet, it's got this job in astrology, I think, of sort of delivering, like I was saying earlier, like the news of the cosmos in a way that is made plain through speech, language, communication, and really sort of deciphering, okay, guys, this is all the stuff that's going on over there. So even if Mercury is making an aspect to a malefic, it can maybe tell us in like a way that, so if Mercury is looking at Saturn in astrology, the planets make these aspects to like witness and behold each other and they have an exchange. And I think that that's like, that would be Mercury maybe delivering something that is more constructive, that is about a limitation or an obstacle and then felt through a transit that can be like, oh, that's just a no. So I think some so at some point in June when Mercury, just to give us a grounded example, you know, Mercury was in Gemini, so it was in a sign that it rules, but the first thing it did was square Saturn. So I felt at that part of June, like, oh, Mercury is, um, got all of its resources that's at home in Gemini to like, discuss and chit chat and ask questions and stir up and and then but then Saturn's looking at it like mm, you may need to edit that you may mm. you may need to take a step back mm. and so I think as Mercury is sort of as that in between as neither when we say neither diurnal or nocturnal mm. neither malefic nor benefic well it's so just to I mean like it's planetary essence there's a layer of astrological interpretation in terms of sect where depending on its phase in relationship to the sun, it can present, for example, as a morning star, it is mm -hmm. sort of more outgoing and risk-taking mm -hmm. and maybe a little bit more chick street, certainly more youthful, more like a kid. Okay. okay. And then you have Mercury as an evening star, which is much more hermit-like and mm -hmm. like in its office, just researching. And sort of responding to everything, all the knowledge that comes its way. So because, and, and both of the signs that Mercury rules, both Gemini and Virgo, are also double-bodied signs. So there's so much duality at play that it's, it, they're both, they're both mutable signs. So they're both changeable. They both are going maybe this way and that way. Um, Gemini certainly is, and Virgo is just like, I'm going to kind of do that, but maybe be helpful at the same time, <laughs> <laughs> maybe try to use this for like a higher good. And so, yeah, so Mercury's got that sort of very interesting, like before we started recording, we were talking about like ambivalence. I think of Mercury because it's, it can be either, or sometimes it does have that ambivalence that sort of, um, 
maybe, you know, I, I will pray trickster on you. Ha ha. But like, don't take it so seriously. Like maybe line up. (laughs) (laughs) So what is your personal relationship with Mercury? Like, like maybe you could talk Mm. specifics in terms of like your chart signature, but like also how do you feel? How do you be in relationship with this planet? Yeah, I think it's a, I feel so fortunate to, I call myself a child of Mercury because Mercury is my chart ruler and I see my relationship with Mercury as something that I I definitely certainly feel that ambivalence. Like I feel the, um, I'm neither benefic or malefic, but I kind of want to see what you can do. There are some parts of Mercury that it has the likes of contest. Um, the Mercury in my chart is speaking to Saturn. So it is speaking about like overcoming an obstacle before I can even like finish out this, like say for instance, long essay thing I'm trying to do. I usually find myself kind of starting out with like a lot of that sort of mercurial, oh my God, that would be so much fun if we did this project. And then I open the box and it's like a Saturnian thing. And I realize it's going to take me like a year to do. And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's fine. And so like with my Mercury, because of all the, it's my chart ruler, I realize that when I start out doing anything and the things that I do are like to give readings, to decipher, to decode, to research, sometimes, um, if I start out and I do something and it feels overwhelming, especially because my Mercury is speaking to Saturn, I'm like, oh, okay, that's actually, I'm on the right path. My Mercury mm-hmm. has a sort of, um, I have to cultivate patience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of it, if we're t- talking about even that like folktale about the, the hare and the tortoise, mm-hmm. like, you know, on its face, sometimes the hair seems like the Mercury, the Mercury that's like, okay, let's just go, like, let's cut these corners. Um, and then the tortoise would be like the more like sort of evening star nocturnal version of Mercury, which is like, no, I know where I'm going. And that's actually the most clever thing. Mm. So sorry, I went on a tangent about my relationship to Mercury, um, but I'm sure I think we'll probably start to talk around it and like all these other stories will come up. But I've, <laughs> I think for me, I, I've, I'm... I embodied Mercury before I knew it. So like mm-hmm. that sort of being a kid and keeping a diary every day. I had to write down all my experiences as like some bizarre record keeping. Like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would, I was an avid reader. Um, I'm still pretty a fast reader and like could memorize things. That was always like my gift in school. We get bored easily. So it's also very mercurial. Like if you're not constantly stimulated, it could be boring. Mm-hmm. Um, I found, um, and again, like loved listening to strangers' conversations. Like could do that all day. <laughs> and so I feel like I've always kind of embodied that that mercury. And it's at times, um, I think it shows up in my practice as, you know, an astro magic person, an astro magician, a writer, somebody who practices planetary magic is like the way it shows up most profoundly is like, I never take anybody's word at face value. I always have to test it. 
And then I always have to write down how it went. Because I like to F around and find out. Right. So that's Mercury. And so, so you're not just like doing astro magic, but you're like keeping good records of it. That, that does sound like very occult. That's like very like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next yeah level. Because the most bizarre things will happen as like, um, and they're bizarre because they're so stunning, right? It's not anything I read about, but when it happens, it makes sense. And I'm like, I have to write this down. Mm-hmm. and I'll forget about it. And then a year later, I'll be like, oh yeah, when I did that serious election and I thought I could ignore, this was like 2022, Mars and and can't, or Mars was in a cardinal sign. I was like, maybe I can ignore this. I feel like it was in Aries, um, but no, <laughs> you can't, can't ignore that. It's like, maybe if I just try to move things because I really like serious. And then sometimes, so those are, those are where the, to be like, very clear my experimentation is really on me and mm-hmm. I, I I give myself the freedom to make a talisman for astromagic purposes and destroy it at the ready yeah if I need to yeah yeah and when you're destroying it what what is that act representing to you are you like oh delete delete <laughs> like is that what that is it is are you know like that moment when you compose an email you press send but now google has a function where you can unsend it's like the greatest gift from the google gods and i just like i'm like oh my god no i take that back we don't really want to do this right can you tell us a little bit more about what your astro magic let's say specifically with mercury it could be with any planet Mm -hmm. but like in the last episode I was sharing like here's what I do I like wake up I greet the day I bring out the tarot card that relates I make some offerings this is my altar what what is your planetary magic mm. look like is it daily is it just certain specific transits what, what's the what's the rhythm yeah so for me it is daily so like I everything that you just outlined is what I do because I you know this is getting into like really deep territory with like going to church and seeing ritual and then coming back around to him being like, yes, that is beautiful, but not because anyone said it was, but because I found beauty in it. And I find beauty in the days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so even before we hopped on, I was talking about like, I used to work at in law firms in New York City, in Manhattan. And those can be very grueling places to work, especially in the legal area of litigation where people are fighting. They're mm-hmm. fighting for money. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And um, what I would do, I said, Friday can't be the only day of my life that I look forward to. Like, I knew that as a 20 something year old, like that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after living my life that way for a couple of years, I started to create themes of the day. So I would sit on the subway and commute to where I was going and start to think about what this day felt like. Um, and so. Because I, again, because I worked at law firms and I'm nosy, I could kind of observe vibes. So like Mondays for me, I hope I remember this. I've told this story before, but Mondays for me were always about intuition or just like sort of um, feeling out like what the week was going to be like. But I I could sense it wasn't a day of action. It was like Mm -hmm. just kind of receiving all the tasks, greeting people after a weekend reconnecting mm-hmm. and Monday is the moon's day and Tuesday mm-hmm. for me um was a day of I think challenges 
I found Tuesdays very challenging. <laughs> I noticed that. I wrote that down. And Wednesdays for me were, so I'll stop at Mercury because I'm not going to go through them. But basically what I realized years later is that I had tapped into the energy. This is, thank you planets. Because yeah. they were with me. Wednesdays for me were success. And I think as a Mercury ruled person, I always, and who's dealing in a mercurial realm, that I had tapped into the energy, like there can be success here. And, and it would usually come in the, the form of, I solve some massive spreadsheet. Those were my kind of successes. Or like yeah. I organized 2000 exhibits in chronological order <laughs> and then picked out the you know 300 most important. Like it would be something like that. So that was Wednesday became my day of success. Um, so that's just like how I tapped into the energy intuitive, I think intuitively, but I don't like that word because it's like a blanket for so much. It was just like listening and paying attention. Mm -hmm. And so my relationship to the planets now is still about listening and paying attention, even if they're in a bad spot, even if I know the astrology is not great. I really try to enter the space of waking up and greeting, like you're saying, like greeting the planets and just anchoring. So there's usually a moment where I will go, my altar's there, there's a mirror, there's candles, there's, you know, like with my tarot deck, I have something that I burn because I'm a very uh, like sense or really like they anchor me to a moment and I'll sit and I'll just like, and I'll think of the chain of correspondences going from me on earth all the way up to the cosmos. Mm -hmm. And it really like is something that I can feel and I feel so grateful for it because it got me through so many difficult times in my life. Um, and so now I just feel blessed that I, I entered into a practice where I could name it, where I could learn it and where I could enter with some, some level of knowledge on how to speak to them. So mm -hmm. I'll do the planetary prayer. Um, I'll, I always also write every day. So that flips usually in the morning. Sometimes I'll try to do it first thing while I'm still in bed. Like I'll keep my journal and try to write down my dream. Um, but also kind of like if I'm stressed or like whatever's coming up. And sometimes I'll also do it after the ritual. Just depends on like date, what daylight is doing, like what time of year mm -hmm. it is or whatever. And it is essential before any other person wakes up that before I've spoken to my partner or my kids or even spoken a word out loud to myself that I've spoken to the planets mm. and it makes me feel more grounded. Mm. That's beautiful. I love your practice and that you just came to it intuitively. And I wasn't as specific as that, but I did learn as an entrepreneur many years ago, I was like, this whole Monday thing, <laughs> I was like, that, that is not my day. And I realized like, mm -hmm. oh, Tuesday is my get shit done day. Tuesday is the yes. day where I'm like, boom, I land, I'm on it. I'm very generative. And like being a Scorpio, I was just like, yeah, Mars energy, I get you. That's it. And like, I had to kind of really work to mm, unhook from things that just felt very counter to my intuition about what Monday is about. And now I think of Monday, just like you said, is like receiving 
<laughs> everything, like incorporating what happened, whatever on the weekend, mm -hmm. receiving, like tapping back into to like what is the vibe and like gathering my tasks for the week, gathering my people for the week. And that mm. is just like a way better way for me to start the week. I don't really try to get anything done. Tuesday is my day for that. And then when I um, started writing a book proposal, I was like, oh, well, clearly I'm going to make Wednesdays my writing day in it. And so mm. that really anchored my planetary magic because I was like, Mercury, help. Like it's really yes. just like I need you to help me, and I and that kind of became the day that was the most almost like formal in its ritual because I just really wanted to express like, hey, I want to work with you. You're dynamic. You're you're so much. There's so much happening, but like Mercury, I I need that quickness, that clarity, and like a confidence with my words that I just I knew. Mercury just had it just has the like there's no kind of self-doubt there for me <laughs> that's not like not an energy I relate to Mercury with it's like hey we're just gonna try some shit and like just yeah you can go shit. back and edit let's do it let's you know and so I I was not ever afraid of like Mercury retrogrades I love editing I love going back over my work I love going back over stuff I think that's yes. great so that all like really worked for me. I really do. I think other listeners too will want to know when you were younger, you're in your twenties, you're working on wall street, you're getting the sense on the subway of like, what is this day? What are the vibes I'm getting from this day? Please do tell us about, um, Thursday through Sunday. <laughs> Thursdays were gross. I literally wrote this down. I, I have journal. It's crazy. Thursdays were gross. I could always feel that in expansion. Again, this is before I knew Thursdays were ruled by Jupiter, the planet planet of growth. It's crazy. Yeah. I also do have um, my moon and Jupiter in the sixth house of work. So maybe it was just speaking very loudly to me. Right. Like, this is where you work. This is growth. Um, and Fridays were like something cute. There was something cute. I mean, we'd always have fun on Fridays. Like, mm. okay, like we're going to try to leave early. We're turning some music on. Um, so there was like a level of like sociability mm. um, that I really had, that I really did pick up on. Mm. Um, and Saturdays, I had a hard time. I had to revisit this one. Saturdays, I put leisure and Sundays, I put fun. So we can get to this you know, the sun is Sunday. That's fun. That makes a lot of sense. It's like, got you brunch, sports, whatever the things that happen on Sunday. <laughs> um, but Saturn, I was like, well, Saturn, how does that rule leisure? And I think for me, my Saturn, at least how it shows up for me is my Saturn is just like, sometimes I would approach a Saturday with, you know, because I, um, I became a mom when I was 25. So when I say my twenties, um, yeah, they got, they got, uh, cut in half. So I was like, okay, Saturdays is my laundry day, my grocery store day. And there would be entire Saturdays where I literally did not sit in a chair. I was just everywhere. And I felt like my, I feel like my Saturnian spirit, I have Saturn in Scorpio, the third house. It's just like, do last bitch. Mm. Like, please stop. Do less. 
because I would reach a point where I would just have burnout. So even I, I would be like, no, I have all these things I have to do. My Saturn is always asking me to just sort of do less, just mm. be here. Mm. And there's, again, other significations with my Saturn um, placement. So I, I think of leisure as sort of a whittling down of all the obligations and to-do lists mm. and just being like, I can just sit. Saturn, I think, does like stillness and silence. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. just learn to approach. Now I approach Saturdays with those in mind. Although I do love going to a good farmer's market. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, Lord of the Harvest, we can we can yeah. parlay that into Yes, something. that's how I connected it as well. It's like <laughs> just sickle all days. That's you know? right, all day long. So are there special propitiations? Are there like special things that you do for Mercury um, at different times? And maybe this will like lead us into retrogrades, like how you work with that. Um, mm -hmm. But are there particular moments where you're like, ooh, I would be remiss if I didn't do something extra special for Mercury right now? Mm. Yeah. Well, well, okay. So first of all, I love when you were talking about writing your book and how you approach Wednesdays with like, this is my writing day. And I feel like even just starting there, you already have the planet's attention. <laughs> you've spoken like Hermes or Mercury. You've you've reached out, you've made it like vocal. And then I think, so all of the planets like that. And then, but I think once you start doing the thing on earth as, you know, like an embodied human that's under their list of significations, under their domain. So like writing or studying or whatever, I think that does bring like joy to the planets to see that happen in reality, to sort of embody one of their significations. And so, so again, working with Wednesdays on Mercury's days, I like dawn, like I like the first hour, you know, planetary hours can hit like, you know, get the, they come back around, but I like the, there's, you know, there's the morning, the afternoon, the night one, but like, I like the one that's like right away. So like mm -hmm. a quick hack is a, you can just get a planetary apps, planetary hours app, or if it's dawn where you are and it's that day, then you know you have that planetary day and that planetary first hour, which are not 60 minute hours. Maybe you talked about this earlier, but they they are 12 divisions of that planetary day. Um, okay, so, but with regard to, um, would I be remiss not to use Mercury? So usually what I'll start planning my year in advance, because I, you know, I want to know when, when does Mercury get to the signs that it rules? So mm -hmm. Gemini and Virgo. And, um, so that's the first layer. And then trying to see if while in the signs, is it going to talk to a benefic or talk to malefic? So narrowing down, like, for instance, um, you know, when Mercury gets to Virgo this year, it's a little tricky because like Mars is kind of there the whole time. Um, and then of course it's got a, it's like, a oh, this guy, what I know <laughs> so we're not going to get like, I invited lovely, him, <laughs> right. So rude. But I'm actually, you know what? I was like, I'm embracing this. I think this is going to be real editor shit. Like this is going to be like cut away at what is not working and we won't be afraid to toss it in the garbage. Especially because Saturn is yeah. like looking, Saturn will be in Pisces. So it's like, 
Mercury will be in a whole sign aspect to Saturn in opposition. There's a little, little stalemate energy in terms of um, achieving what you want. Anywho, to go back. So, but then aside from that, like I always want to work with Mercury more than just in the sign that it rules. So I'm looking at Kazemi's when Mercury enters the heart of the sun. I'm looking at um, it, whether that's so you can use that hack. So maybe we'll talk about the retrograde. So depending on the year, Mercury can either be retrograde either three or four times. Um, so Mercury is always retrograding. As you said in the beginning, it is like nothing to fear. It's like, oh man, this is why I get so mad about the culture we live in. That's just like, mm. oh no, you start something and you finish it and it has to be successful and it has to be proven that you did it. And it, it has to be perfect. And like in reality, I think what Mercury is by nature, the fact that it retrogrades so much is like, no, life is going back to the drawing board, discovering mm -hmm. more, going back and revising, figuring out, oh no, we did make a state mistake. And like, maybe just like I said, like laughing about it and like mm -hmm. owning up to it, pointing it out and seeing where that's actually some learning in there, right? Mm -hmm. Like being a student with Mercury, I think is also uh, a really good way to sort of work with it hmm. if mercury is like stationing retrograde and opposite neptune in the sign that it rules like it has so many times or you know sort of dueling it out with mars um <laughs> you know i will still speak to mercury but i won't ask for anything so i think just developing that relationship to all of the planets but with mercury i'll be like yeah no i'm i'm here you know, but I won't, I'm not going to tug on the chain mm -hmm. or like ring the doorbell with my little basket of asks because Mercury <laughs> will be like, here's like some tricks. Bye. Exactly. Yes. I was just talking about this in the last episode about Mars where I was like, I'm very rarely asking Mars for things. I'm very often praising and just like, wow, you sure did that. Like you are powerful. You are, mm -hmm. you know, incisive. You are like, I am heeding your lessons. Like I, I'm usually just like, I am reading you and, um, you know, love what you're doing up there. <laughs> like yeah. This is hard shit. And like, you this are, wow, you are putting me through it. And like, you yes. have revealed, oh. you know, so, I, but I'm very rarely like, Hey, Mars, help me with this thing. Partially, I think, because I, I embody a lot of very martial energy anyway, though, but I, I totally agree. Like there's, I'm still visiting the planets every day on their day, no matter what condition <laughs> the cosmos is in, mm -hmm. but I am not always asking for things. I am usually offering thanks, praise, acknowledgement, just praising in the naming. And like you said, like the embodying of, um, of their energies and acknowledgement of like, you're so big, I'm so small. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? But like your smallness is also really massive and expansive because it's like also a universe. So it's like, we can, we can like sort of talk to each other and right. like, and I think when we, you know, did one of the, did I mention that astrology is under the domain of Mercury? <laughs> so oh, you didn't. Okay. Okay. So like, I always miss the obvious. This is also my Mercury. I'm like, everyone knows that, right? No, they don't. You should <laughs> no. just say it so people can know. So, you know, and I always think about this, right? That um, 
in the tradition of astrology, Mercury is not, say, with Jupiter, although there are Jupiterian aspects to it. But Jupiter, I think of more as theurgy, you know, praise, that sort of planetary perpetuation, approaching the divine and sort of that sort of temple aspect. Um, and, you know, the moon has a way, of course, that it worships, right? It's like a real draw down kind of energy. So there's that way that you could also enter astrology. But for me, astrology... And so, first of all, it's under the domain of Mercury. And it's always, it's just so clear to me that it's a mercurial thing. Like, I don't, when people say, like, I don't believe in astrology, it's like, it doesn't even, I'm just like, why would you believe in anything? Maybe you just, like, have a little fun and, like, test it out. And, like, faith is a completely different thing. Like, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so, for me, once I found planetary magic, it bridged the technique Um the practice of it so those things are so mercurial like practice technique applications like finding this predictive technique learning this seeing how it hits and then sometimes I'll show up at a reading to give to someone and I'm like okay I know I'm going to use these techniques and I'll just sit and it's not that it's not about what I can do and so there is that other part of mercury is like preparing a vessel this is where I think of the very like Virgo part of mercury which is like I've if through this art of astrology like doing all the study and preparation or like looking at someone's chart for hours before I talk to them it's really not about it's just the fact that I created this vessel and sometimes I'll just let it go mm. and then we're just then we're just talking then I'm actually listening and and then I can I can receive um what it is I'm supposed to receive and translate right decode like okay, I've got this tradition that I'm in dialogue with, but like, I'm speaking to you to tell you what your your head's going to look like. Like, what is the, you know, like, so um, I don't even know where I started with that, but I think well, I was talking about I, astrology being under the, yeah, it's a very mercurial yeah. thing. Yeah. Astrology. Are there certain gifts I'm curious about, like what you might use as, like if people want to make an offering to Mercury, and maybe this is, maybe it will depend on if they're doing some kind of remediation work or if yeah. they are doing something else, but like, what are some of the offerings aside from what you said, like about embodying and doing their work? Are there like herbs or colors or mm -hmm. you said scents and aromas are really big. So like, what, what are the associations you have with mercury and what could people offer, um, for, you know kind of their everyday offering and then what would be like extra special remedial kind of stuff remediation yeah so I think okay well so basic so like lavender mercury likes patterns so like today is Wednesday and I've got like this crazy pattern on or um so but this is uh with lavender Oh my gosh, there's like a needle coming out. So my daughter knitted the, uh, people can't see it because it's audio, but um, she knitted this like years ago, lavender pouch. And it's got these complex patterns on it and inside it's stuffed with lavender. So I always put this on my altar as something that required like precise, you know, mercury rules the hands, right? And the fingers, the dexterity in particular. Um, and so this is just something I like to, um, it has the lavender so mercury can be like oh yes that's my correspondence but it's also got the added like it took complicated handwork um 
I mean, there's lists of correspondence in terms of herbs. Like um, I'm really big on, I work with the Picatrix and Agrippa. So I like doing like the seals, the planetary number grids. I like right, uh, doing the glyphs of the Mercury intelligence. And I like drawing it onto things. Um, frogs are like another symbol of Mercury. So like fun frog things that I find in a store. Those would be like kind of like a little bit lesser known, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. Like um, putting that on your altar. Um, and yeah, I usually uh, I've made a couple things on paper that have to do with Mercury um, at auspicious times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know what they are. I keep them on my work desk. So in addition to my altar, like my work desk is also an altar. And mm -hmm. so I'll also have those talismans on like I have one here. It's I'm not going to show it to you, but it's, it's got a frog's face on it. I got it from the Picatrix and it's like here. So I think if you want to like work with all of those kind of like, even just, I mean, like to me, this is my personal feeling about planetary correspondences. Like if it reminds you of that planet, put it on your altar. Like if you got a special pen from your grandfather, who was like a writer, put it on your altar if you're really into like calendars and date books from Mercury, like put that shit on your altar, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> and ask totally. to like organize your schedule. Like that's kind of how I work. Um, yeah. I put, uh, I printed out an image and actually now that I think about it, I don't know if it was a Greek or a Roman coin. So I don't know if it was Mercury or Hermes, but it was like depicting one of them. And I printed it out pretty big, just in black and white on my computer I cut it out and then I taped that to the back side of my computer monitor, the screen. And I did, I like wrote a prayer to Mercury and put that so that when I would be typing and looking at the screen, I, I had this kind of image that I was orienting to like an altar or temple to Mercury. And that's then amazing. all of my words were like praise. So that's like, I, I think anybody could do something like that. Literally, I just like printed it off in black and white, and like cut it out yeah. like a little collage and stuck it there so that it was like energetically always, this is my altar to Mercury. Yeah. Because it is like, we kind of are made these altars and like, yes. didn't realize it, but like we, that's totally what we did. And like, we also, I like feathers like that sort of more mental air communication aspect of Mercury. Um, I like snakes for, so one thing I didn't talk about, see, this is what I'm talking about, Mercury as psychopomp um, and Mercury as being able to go to the underworld. So in the Greco-Roman pantheon, Hermes is like the only God that could go from as high as Olympus all the way to the depths of Hades and return and like guide souls. And that's what Hermes did for Persephone when she was abducted into the underworld. And so if you think about, maybe we'll get there. So maybe I'll save some of it, but there's so many ways that we journey to the underworld, either through trauma, through grief, through the past, through that layer of us that we kind of like tamp down on because like we need to like be functioning humans and like, mm -hmm. you know, do the work. But there's that, there's that layer that runs underneath um, our day to day and Mercury can go there. 
Mm. right? Like Mercury goes there. And sometimes it's that feeling of like, I'm writing this thing and I'm writing this poetry. I'm writing this story and I don't even know why I'm writing it, but it's expressing something that isn't quite topside, that hasn't been illuminated to my seeing eyes, but reveals a knowledge and it needs to be translated Mm -hmm. so people can see it and so mercury can do that um and that's also why i just think mercury's kind of awesome because (laughs) sometimes you're not you're not completely aware of it right Mm -hmm. you know you you kind of thinking of um there's a mercury where you could try to like okay i want to do this and then sometimes the sort of more relaxing and letting go and understanding that mercury knows the pathways Mercury knows how to get from point A to point B, right? Yeah. I do want to circle back to Mercury as a psychopomp, but before we do, this reminded me of his relationship to medicine. And um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is true, if I, but in my mind, like I relate Mercury with Asclepius and like maybe kind of pharmacology as much as also maybe with like dream stuff I think about like the healing dream temples the sleep temples um and so you know yeah they would have the snake and the rod what's that called yes. the um caduceus some people call yeah. it Catechus. yeah yeah and so and say, yeah mm-hmm. yeah what's what do you want to say also about um how mercury can help with healing yeah so much okay well I guess maybe I'll say through one thing is so in in um, in the Odyssey, you know, Homer wrote the hymn, and he's he's talking about you know when Hermes on the day he was born. Actually, that's a different section. What I'm talking about right now is with Odysseus. He gives he is the one who tells Odysseus. So like Odysseus is like what through the line descended from from Mercury from Hermes, and he's like Mercury's in the myth is like if you pick these plants, when you go to this island and you meet the witch Circe, you will not be turned into an animal. So there is that giving of medicine, medicinal, and like knowing which herbs to pick for which thing. And that is a very mercurial sort of matching, like mm-hmm. study, paying attention, and dealing with the, the, the uh, like the sort of herbal medicinal aspect of mercury as well. Um, so that's, that also makes a lot of sense to me in terms of like, there's like all this wide range of things that have healing and like so much wisdom in the land. Mm. Now our relationship to it is like a little different, but you could think of it like in modern times you go to a store and you see all these aisles and you're like, okay, like what do I need for what thing? Right. There's like a vast library of knowledge and like Mercury is the planet that can help connect you in that medicinal aspect um, for sure. Mm-hmm. The healing too, you know, with the snake that's always shedding its skin, <laughs> like mm-hmm. that kind of like, I think of also connected to the sort of renewal rebirth because Mercury goes through that so much more than any other planet. Like the ancients thought when planets entered the heart of the sun, right, that they were like reborn, Mm -hmm. um, that it was a cleansing moment. And Mercury's always doing that. Mercury's like, okay, I'm like reborn, I'm heliacal rising, I'm like a kid again. And then it like 
goes back through its cycle. It's going to do the whole thing all over again in like such rapid succession that I think it's, it is that you can constantly see that renewal aspect in Mercury as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's start winding it down and wrapping it up then by circling back to Mercury as psychopomp. So the last question on the podcast is always about grief and rage. How would you say that Mercury can support us in times when we are in rage or in grief? I think in creating like a dialogue and, and going on a journey. So like those two things not being separate from each other, but like, if, if, in the age, uh, like a phase of grief, or at least like me, I'll speak for myself, first of all, I found Mercury very useful in terms of like, show me a sign. Okay, so do you know how you get to that phase where you're like, show me a sign? So mm-hmm. I will quite honestly like ask, like, can I have a sign? And it will happen. And I'm like, thank you. So I always thank Mercury. And, um, like, let me, let me figure out. So I think of, you know, one of the pers- people I've written about historical figures is Harriet Tubman, who was such a like Titan, <laughs> like a not like beyond human, just like, like the go-between the person who knew the pathways, the person who like used tricks to their advantage, used disguises, um, like was a military spy for the union army. Um, was well-practiced in the art of divination and omens and knew when to lie and wait and when to go and run. And like, I think of that. And sometimes, sometimes I, I have a lot of grief about where we are in this, in this country with everything. And I think finding the ways that Mercury has like sort of created a way, a path forward, I think is also something that you can say. So it's like, you know, Harriet Tubman asked, like, give me a sign. Like, should I go or should I stay? And like, was given a sign. And I think that that to me is the way to dialogue with Mercury when sometimes in those phases of life, we could be like at a standstill or submerged in it. Um, And then some things, I think I'm also okay with them remaining sort of like a, an underworld mystery. <laughs> like, I'm like, maybe we could just dialogue about this in my dreams and symbols. And those feel safer than like consciously working with it in the world until I'm ready. Mm. So like, you know, for me, because I was born with Mercury retrograde and Mercury is my chart ruler. There's a technique in astrology called progressions. So by the time I got to like my young 20s, my progressed Mercury had stationed direct, which is like um, every day equals one year, basically, in this technique. That's the shortcut. And I had so much rage when my progressed Mercury stationed direct. The first thing I started doing is like, I finally found my voice. Mm-hmm. Like all these people in my life who I had let just sort of have open season to like just being around me and their negativity I was like nope I'm mad at you and I'm gonna tell you and so that was like also a way that I found like um that Mercury can be sort of that 
it can get it off your chest. Like you can talk about it, which I think is also like, why we do so much talk therapy as like one modality. Um, but for me, finding my voice was essential to moving past that anger. Wow. That's really powerful. I think that's a totally different way to approach Mercury. Like th that I really, I do like not maybe in for other astrologers, but for mm. the vast majority of people, you know, they, they do, I think, think about Mercury more as conveyance, you know, or like maybe interpretation. Some people might understand that, but I think more, more people are like, Ooh, it's transportation and communication, but finding your voice and speaking your rage and, you know, um, being able to get stuff off your chest and show me a sign. What a great prayer just to remember that it's yeah. like, right, Mercury's my man for that or my jam for that. Like, that's yeah, so great. You know, yeah, I, love I love it. Thank you so much, Thea, for all that you've shared. This has been such a great episode. I think this one really helps. This is like so perfect, right? Mercury, you, so great. Where it's like, we've had, um, explanations, but this is like really interpreting and like bringing it home for people. I think this is mm. going to help people translate this into an actual practice of some kind. So thank you so much for being on the show. Oh my God, it's an honor. Thank you for letting me uh, ch chit chat about Mercury. <laughs> okay. So for anyone who was feeling maybe ambivalent or nervous about Mercury before, I may feel better now, right? Doesn't Mercury just seem like so much more of an awesome person <laughs> that you just want to like, yeah, I, I want Mercury in my crew. So very grateful to Thea for making Mercury feel so accessible. Do check out the show notes for today's episode where I will definitely link to Thea's essay about Harriet Tubman as a magical mercurial figure. I'll also link to Thea's website, which is theanichelle.com, and also to her Instagram, which is Thea Astrology. And also just what a delight of a human, right? I, I love meeting genuinely, truly delightful human beings, and I'm very grateful to connect with um, a teacher who can illuminate in such a great way. I'm very excited to keep following her work. And if you want help establishing a planetary magic practice that is just right for your specific chart, Thea offers consults for astral magic and remediation. So again, do check the show notes found at numinouspodcast.com. My listener shout out today is to Danielle G, who gave my book, The Spirited Kitchen, five stars on Goodreads. And I feel super proud of that because I, I really like her review. She says, this book is visually stunning and deeply inspiring. I love that this book could be equally supportive for someone who is new to witchy seasonal living or someone like myself who has had a practice for decades. The way that Carmen integrates an anti-capitalist social justice lens into her work feels really authentic and refreshing. I haven't finished it yet because I'm savoring it slowly, but I already love this book and know I'll refer to it for many years to come. I mean... It's really beautiful to have such high regard from somebody who's an experienced practitioner as well. And thank you for seeing what I'm trying to do and how it is 
a bit different from what we've had for decades, right? So thank you, Danielle. I genuinely really appreciate that. My friends, ratings and reviews, they are so important. They, they help the right readers find the books that they want to need. They help boost the algorithm so that people who don't even know what they need stumble across the right book at the right time. They also indicate to my publisher that the world is hungry for work like this and that they should probably exercise their option to publish my second book. So if you like what you've read, please do. Like now's the time. Today's a perfect day. Literally today is a perfect day. Please do hop on over to Goodreads or Amazon and let the powers that be know that you want more like this. And thank you in advance for taking the time. I really, really do appreciate it. Okay, we've just passed halfway through our Astro Magic mini series. I hope you'll tune in for the next episode to hear Meg Keen teach us about working with Jupiter's abundance on Thursdays. And then after that, Kristen Mathis will be here soon to connect us with 